Welcome to Transformers, the podcast about how business people and policymakers are creating a sustainable future. I'm your host, Kai Embren. In today's program, my guest is Christina Persson, economist, former deputy governor of the Swedish Central Bank, former minister for Nordic Cooperation and minister for strategic development. During the 1990s, also a member of the Swedish Parliament, a member of the European Parliament. Welcome, Kristina Persson. Thank you. Your life as an influencer in politics in Sweden, in the Nordics, and also on the global level, you're a person with a lot of experience and also a transformer. Let me go back to 2005. You started the think tank Global Challenges to promote sustainable development. Why? Well, I could. And it was necessary. And of course, the necessary thing is the most interesting one. I realized that globalization was expanding rapidly in the world and in Sweden and affecting Swedish society, working life, economy to a large degree. But I realized also that it was neglected. What was happening with the globalization as a result of globalization was not discussed in politics. It was regarded as not something important. It was not on the agenda. As a result of globalization, I was afraid that unemployment would increase. I feared that even if growth would be advancing and spreading all around the world and also stimulating the economic development in a country like Sweden, It could also create division, it could create inequality, and there would be reactions both from the left and from the right. So it would affect democracy in the long run. If you have increased division, you have a social tension, it will eventually affect democracy in a negative way. So it was absolutely necessary, I found, that the politicians realized what globalization would mean and discussed it and also took precautionary measures to meet the effects of globalization on the labor market and in the economy in general. And also that the people, the people who decide who will govern a country, would take it seriously and know more about it. My idea was that we needed to push for a period of enlightenment in politics, with more knowledge about the world and about the economy and about the increased interdependency in the world and how also these global challenges would affect the society and how we should think more strategically and take precaution to meet the changes. Mm -hmm. Popular education and the politicians' awareness of globalization was the main reason. So how was the response? Well, a certain group of people was happy, of course, that somebody picked this up. We had conferences to start with, big conferences, where we invited politicians, business people, academics, professors, you know, civil society, to meet from all these different groups of people, to meet and discuss. And this was extremely well received. And people were so happy that they had found a platform to meet across these boundaries, because they are not so used to meet Outside, uh, politicians don't discuss with business people or politicians at that time, or they don't discuss with the professors and civil society uh, 
so much. And that was the days in the end of the 90s and beginning of the new millennium. So there was a lot of appreciation. But to what extent we had an effect, a clout on the political discussions in general, I would say, well, it was looked upon as something interesting, but if it really meant something for the political discussions, well, maybe. With time it did, because we were not the only ones starting to bring these new issues up. It can seem as if this was not very long ago, but so much has happened during these last 20 years that we don't have the same kind of society any longer. And the discussion is so different. One of the issues that we brought up very early in the think tank was the climate warming. We brought discussion papers about global financial markets and about climate and about sustainable cities and other topics. At that time, in 2007, for instance, when we started to discuss the climate effects of climate warming, the awareness among people was very low, and today it is very high. It's close to 90% of the Swedes think that we must take climate warming very seriously and take action. That was not the case 10, 15 years ago. So much has happened in that field. And then another thing is that unemployment was not affected uh, not very much by globalization. You could claim that it was, on the contrary, supported by globalization in Sweden with the growth of China and India and other big countries in the world. So my fear when it came to unemployment growing was not uh, well-funded, but my fears about growing inequality was well-funded. Did you have a feeling that the political parties were prepared for a wider discussion or was it some criticism against the political system in this thought to have a think tank? Well, the criticism was that the political parties must stop being reactive, that they must have a more strategic agenda and that they have to be proactive, take action in time. Well, pandemia is one field where many people have been talking about this will happen. We don't know when and we don't know how bad it will be, but we know it will happen. But how many countries really did take precaution and precautionary levels and build up a readiness to meet a pandemia? This is a very, of course, opportunistic example because it's taking place right now. But I would say that the same goes for the climate warming. Politicians have been knowing about this for more than 30 years. But what have they done? Very, very little. And this goes also for Sweden, even if we might look upon be and be regarded as an example in many aspects of climate and environment. We have not done enough, far from enough. We must do so much more. What do you think the political party can do to open up this type of dialogues? Well, they can do everything. First of all, they have to have an organization that meets the needs, which means that they have to break up from the silos in politics so that they have a horizontal way of discussing the problems and find the best solutions to meet the challenges in the future. This is not taking place. They don't have the culture. They don't have the organization. They don't have the right policy either to meet, for instance, climate warming. Do you see in the reflection that 
this is ongoing on all type of levels when you talk about local level or regional level or national level you have seen the realities in all levels well of course the level where it is the worst will be where governance is not at all meeting the needs of politics is of course the global level because there you don't have global politics you don't have a global political organization taking responsibility jointly you have a weak international organizations which are international european union is to a large extent international <laughs> it's not federalism is regarded as a threat rather than possibility and an instrument that is needed and then of course the natural level keeps on functioning to a large extent in the way the old century to a large extent could be happy with the nation state managed mm. the old problems and the old situation but is not managing the new economy and the new challenges that we are living with mm. and i guess that you could say that this goes for all countries in the world but i'm sorry to say that sweden is not among the best here i would say that both uk finland well many countries are better than sweden in meeting the big challenges in the future so what is your thinking about to find solution to these challenges for national politics or global politics well i think that national politics to some extent could learn from the local level because the local level many times functions better because there they have a tradition of working together to solve problems across the party lines and more openness to work with business to promote the region's development this doesn't go for all municipalities or all regions but some are quite good at that but the nation must start to put the problems first and seek the best way of dealing with them to get the good results So there is a lot of knowledge not being taken in use. We have the solutions to many of our big challenges like climate for instance, but we are not making use of them. We know what to do, but we're not doing it. And one reason is the way we are organized and the way politics function. This is something many people know, but nothing is happening. I'm not talking about Sweden. You had also some years in the Swedish government as a minister for strategic development. Is this an issue that you had problem with to address? This I saw as my main task to introduce a different way of working with the big challenges. But I came into a system like a bowl with lots of square openings and it didn't fit into the system the way i wanted to work it could have done that it wasn't impossible but my work was minister for strategic development and future studies future issues and nordic cooperation and i identified three areas where new thinking was of need in sweden and one was the climate transformation the transformation of production and society in order to reach the uh, fossil free society that was the goal that was accepted that was something that the prime minister was speaking about the fossil free society sweden will be first as the fossil free welfare state it was stated every year in the parliament but i saw that this was not happening 
So I put together a group of professors, um, business people, civil society, politicians, ex-politicians, to discuss what are the solutions, what must be the solutions or should be the solutions, what should the government office work with. And that is the same for the issue of employment in the future. And of course, this included integration because Sweden has been receiving many people from abroad, immigrants and refugees, but we haven't advanced our way of integrating these people into working life and society. And this was a condition for being able to receive many immigrants was that we manage integration very well and efficiently. So that was the second group. And also this included the effects of AI, artificial intelligence and machine learning. How would this affect the Swedish working life? And what are the changes of rules and legislation needed to meet the new technology? And then the third group, they all had this composition of uh, experts from various sectors in society. The third group was about global governance. What should we do to enhance and advance the ability to govern together, to strengthen the global cooperation? These were the three groups. All together, they wrote some 52, I think it was, 52 reports and three main reports summarizing their most important advice to government. And they were presented and discussed with the relevant ministers. And they were very well received by the prime minister and the ministers. And then the idea was that it would be taken on into working groups or caucus and so on, the way we work in order to prepare legislation and so on. And to some degree, I think this has happened, included in other areas. And my idea was also that this work would be a platform for our continued work with the Agenda 2030, because very much the same aspects, the same values that governed our work that is behind the Agenda 2030, UN Agenda. But then my work was finished and all these people that I had gathered around me within the uh, government offices were spread around. Everything was finished. So we also actually started to build up a foresight group to be able to see what can happen in the future in the longer perspective. And also this was solved, disappeared. Everything disappeared. Do you think that ministries are working more like silos? There's very much so. It's so a problem. Is it the need a revolution in the government's offices? Yes, we need a new government, whatever parties forming the government, a government that sees, that acknowledge that this is a big obstacle for efficient politics. It doesn't matter what political area we are talking about. It is an obstacle. Do you think that collaboration over borders is better in the local level? Municipalities, for example. In general, I think it is, yes. Not all are prominent in this field. And I would say that some of the smaller ones or the medium-sized ones are good. It seems as big can be a problem for this flexibility and this ability to work across different boundaries. We look at their thinking of a new model. Is it in need of a new governance structure and policy? 
I would like to say that it's not really a need of a new government. The, the old government could change its way of working. I was hoping that it would. That was my idea, that it would be starting a preparation for these organizational changes that should take place. Because it is absolutely necessary that in order to tackle like climate, for instance, you need to have almost every ministry involved in this. And you need a leadership that is horizontal. And the only horizontal leaderships that we have today is the prime minister, which is not a strong leadership in the way Sweden is organized. But then it is the finance minister. And I know that there have been some attempts over the years to strengthen the horizontal way of working within the government offices. But if they have been abolished or they have been counter-fought by the Ministry of Finance and they haven't had the support from the Prime Minister's office. So in order to succeed with these big changes, you need to have a very strong leadership from the top, from the centre, which is the Prime Minister. The Prime Minister must actively support this kind of uh, changes. Otherwise, nothing will happen. It's the same in any organization. If the big boss is against, it's very difficult for the middle level to create reforms, important reforms. You have to start from the top. Do you think that the pandemics will accelerate this type of discussion? <laughs> I think it will accelerate the discussions about how to meet the next pandemic. But if it will tackle the whole picture of the whole field of big challenges that we are facing, I doubt it. I think more is needed. So is it there any relationship between the pandemics and the climate issue? Well, everything is affected by uh, climate change of the climate transformation. And the knowledge that we have gained or gaining by the pandemic could uh, be, of course, inspiring discussions about change in other aspects of our nations are governed. I hope it will. As it is an example of the necessity of having a proactive and high-quality governance in every nation. Looking into another area where you can see that Sweden has been a little bit of a front-runner, it's about women's participation in politics and the gender issue. Mm -hmm. And you see that it has sort of changed the politics? I think it has changed the climate, how we discuss. But it hasn't changed it enough, not as much as I was hoping. Because also women go into these old structures and old cultures. And many times the leaders have been men. And in order to be accepted, you have to accept the rules of the game, uh, the old rules. It's difficult to be against, to be to deviate too much from the old ways of behaving and being. So it has been a great thing that women are as many as men in uh, important roles in politics and in society in general. I mean, this has happened during the time I have been a grown-up. I have seen this revolution coming from, especially from the 90s and onwards. I was leading a committee on the distribution of power in the economy in the 90s. And from, I think, the elections in the beginning of the 90s, so much has changed. 
compared to like as it was at that time. And in also in others other aspects Sweden has changed when it comes to becoming also a multicultural society, multi-ethnic society. Sweden is rather open and the majority of the people are positive to immigration, have been very positive. Maybe it has changed a little over the last few years with authoritarian and extreme right party growing and with a failure of defending this kind of openness from the big parties. But I think basically we have had that change too. HBTQ issues, view of immigration, openness to the outside world, and acceptance of women as equal partners in society and in politics. These are great achievements during my time as a grown-up and in society. I haven't been a politician for many years, but I have been active in politics many years. But if you look back on your time as a politician with experience from the 1970s and up to today, if you reflect on that, what is the victories, the challenges? I think what we just talked about, I mean, the uh, position of women, the equal rights and opportunities for women in Sweden. And in Europe, I would like to say, I mean, the, the differences are not so big any longer. That is one great achievement. But a lot remains when it comes to the change of the content of politics and the rules, the way politics work, as we were talking about earlier. The second one is openness, more openness, more multicultural society and much more tolerant society, HBTQ and immigration. And the third one would be that we have during the last, especially the last 20 years, 15, 20 years, realized that we must do something radical about climate warming. But so much remains to be done. I mean, in practice, we have the realization of the necessity, but we are not doing enough, far from. The government committee as advisors on climate policy, the committee on climate policy, and they are assigned by government to check how government is functioning, to um, control, you could say, assess the results of government policy in climate field. They said that the government neither has the right policy or the organization to achieve the goals, the legislation guided upon. This was something they said this winter, that we lack both the right policy and the right organization to achieve our goals. We decided the goals in government, and it is legislation now. And we won't achieve them unless we change the way we work, the way we work and the policy. And this is actually a big project that I have started now. I've been preparing it for one year. And now it is about to start with the support from Vinova and some organizations and companies. Vinova is uh, the Swedish uh, Innovation Authority, huh? Right, exactly. So we are starting slowly now to get this going and includes uh, defining what kind of policy, practical policy and change is necessary in concrete ways, in different sectors and with a holistic view in order to reach the goals. And it also includes a very ambitious campaign, you could say, to inform and have dialogue with people about these changes. So it's a communication wing of the project. 
that is as important so that the uh, politicians will be bold enough, have the courage to take decisions that mean radical changes and that sometimes can be controversial in the short run. They must spread the message from politics that climate transformation is not only necessary in the long run, but it also not a sacrifice in the short or medium term. It could be even an advantage for our society in the short and medium term. This must be shared by many people. These insights must be spread. And in order to reach this, we are inviting not only the civil society who are really on the move already, but also the old popular movements like trade unions to take part in this campaign. If we will succeed and to what extent we will succeed with this campaign, we don't know yet. Do you think that it will be a solution to reach the Swedish goal? The politicians also need to have the courage to work together and to put forward these changes to change society and the economy in the way that is demanded. To introduce a circular economy in various sectors, to make use of artificial intelligence, to use the bioenergy in the best way possible, to advance the electricity production enough. So there's a lot of important decisions that need to, to be taken. And in order to have this courage to do this and to do it soon enough and to also spread the message around the world, they need to have the support from the people. They need to have this democratic push from the people. So when we look at the future, and uh, of course the climate issue will not leave us, what will be your message that you would like to bring forward for the future decision makers in politics and business and NGOs? I think, once again, two politicians, courage. Courage to move forward. To, to be thinking more strategically, to have this courage to think strategically and to cooperate also with others, with the civil society and across party boundaries. Because you need a lot of cooperation, cooperation with business, cooperation with other sectors in society who are important. So cooperation and courage. But then they also have to dare to think the unthinkable And that has to do with democracy. That democracy is threatened by authoritarianism and neo-fascism. That so many things has happened over the last five, six, seven years in politics in the world, in Europe, United States, Latin America, Asia. That is a threat to democracy. And also there, our Liberal democratic politicians must have courage to meet up with this threat and think the unthinkable that this can happen, that we can lose democracy in our nations. Thank you very much, Christina. And thank you, Kai, for bringing up these important issues. We really need it in Sweden and everywhere in the world, I think. 